Welcome to the Pacey Performance Podcast. Today, I'm speaking to Director of Performance Services at Nike, Keith D'Amelio. Thanks for tuning in to episode 290 of the Pacey Performance Podcast. So this morning, I'm absolutely delighted to welcome Keith D'Amelio on this episode. So Keith first came to my attention after speaking to Blake, Blake McLean at uh, UTS, used to be at OKC Thunder, and we were chatting and he recommended I speak to Keith. So Keith was one of the youngest head strength coaches in the NBA with the Toronto Raptors a couple of years ago before he went to Nike. So he's got a really interesting backstory, obviously as well as a really interesting diverse role at Nike. So in this episode, we discuss sports science and the data science boom and how things have progressed over time, especially in the States, from what Keith has seen across his various different roles in the Celtics, the Raptors, and now across at Nike. We also discuss remote coaching. Obviously, it's a hot topic and has been for the last four to six weeks, depending where you are in the world and how long you've been uh, away from your athletes and having to deal with that remotely. So very on topic um, topic in remote coaching. So really interesting to get Keith's uh, view on that. And also coaching other coaches, athletes, which is something that in his role at Nike, Keith obviously comes across a lot. So he's getting people from all over the world, potentially all over the world, coming to to Nike to um, to train with him so that's a really interesting chat around how he deals with that how he incorporates what the coach back home wants with what he thinks is the right thing to do so really interesting chat there so it's a very diverse uh, chat um, one that you can also check out on YouTube if you're not listening to um, listen to the chat on YouTube already not great because you can obviously see my face for 45 50 minutes but great to put a face to a name especially with keith and um and you can have a watch over there so thanks for tuning in it'll be a podcast that you really enjoy and uh, yeah would always always love your feedback this episode of the pace of performance podcast is sponsored by hawking dynamics the world's first wireless force plate testing system so the Hawking Dynamics system is built around what coaches want so they can test in the real world and not just in the lab. So you're able to capture reliable data on all athletes in a matter of minutes and monitor progress from their cloud-based system from anywhere in the world. So as I've mentioned, the Hawking Dynamics force plates are wireless, which means they're portable, and they're also trusted by teams at a number of different levels in a number of different sports. So integrating force plates into your athlete monitoring system uh, could not be easier and more affordable. So if you want to get to know a little bit more about Hawking Dynamics or actually see their plates in action, Head over to the website, uh, which is hawkingdynamics.com, um, which you can I mean, you can also schedule a demo, and follow them on Twitter at hawkingdynamics. This episode of the Pacey Performance Podcast is sponsored by iMeasureU. So used by leading sports practitioners and biomechanics researchers worldwide to capture and compare multi-limb inertial data in the field, IMU Step from iMeasureU is a dual sensor and app lower limb load monitoring tool which helps practitioners optimize return to play for running based sports. So iMeasureU have just released their new and improved waterproof sensor Blue Trident, which includes ultra-high G capabilities to quantify high-impact steps such as cutting, landing and sprinting, longer battery life to collect data all day, real-time feedback to aid immediate interventions and faster workflow so practitioners can review long training sessions within minutes of training completion. 
I Measure You, now part of Vicon, works with military, pro and collegiate coaches and athletes from around the world, including the Australian Institute of Sport, US Department of Defence and collegiate and pro teams from around the world. If you want to get to know more about I Measure You, head over to their website, imeasureyou.com or follow them on Twitter or Instagram at imeasureyou. So without further ado, over to the episode with Keith D'Amelio. Thanks for tuning in to the Pace Performance Podcast. So this afternoon, I'm delighted to welcome Keith D'Amelio to the podcast. So welcome to the podcast, mate. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, super, super honored to be uh, to be invited. Absolute pleasure. Thank you for thank you for coming on. We've all got a little bit more time <laughs> yes. this last yes, week. We do. So yes, it's made it a little bit easier to uh, to get you on, but yeah, thank you for giving up your time. So interesting, an interesting role that you've got, and we'll get into that in a little in a little bit. But anyone that doesn't know who you are, do you just want to give us a little bit of background on yourself, previous uh, previous roles? Because I know you've had sure. some interesting ones there as well. Sure, sure. Um, education wise, and just a bit of background on yourself. Yeah. So so um, work at Nike uh, in the sport research lab, and then director of performance services there, and. It's a pretty interesting role in in how I work with some of Nike's sponsored athletes and teams. Um, and and the, the best way to describe my role there is, you know, an athlete comes in, maybe I spend a day with them, we do some performance testing, maybe we're, we're trying to maybe solve a problem for them, but I never see them again. All the way to some athletes, I oversee everything they do, training, medical, nutritional, you name it, almost like their, their individual performance director you know, for, for maybe lack of a better description, um, and, and, and do that year round for them. They'll come, they'll spend the off season with me and I'll oversee kind of what they do in season as well, which can be delicate. And, and, and the same thing with teams. Some teams just want to talk shop. Uh, Hey, what are they doing in Australia? And then some teams, Hey, Keith, help us. Cause, cause we want to sort of put a, a, a performance structure in place and we're not really sure exactly the best way to go about that. Um, so that's kind of my role at Nike. And prior to that, I've, I've been there now, oof, may will be nine years. Wow. That's the longest, uh, but prior to that was at Stanford was a direct performance with Stanford men's basketball, uh, for two seasons. And, and then prior to that worked in the NBA as the head strength coach with the Toronto Raptors, as well as the assistant athletic trainer with the Boston Celtics prior to that. So basketball is the wheelhouse, but, but now over the last nine years, I've been fortunate to work with athletes across, you know, all, all sports and, and, you know, locations around the globe. So, so don't take this the wrong way, Keith, but you don't look old enough to have <laughs> had them. I've been at Nike for nine years and then the yeah. two years at Toronto, two years at Stanford and yeah. I, uh, I do not take that the wrong way. I, I maybe early on in my career was like, why are they saying I'm so young? Um, uh, now I, now I like it. Um, I am relatively young, um, 41, but, uh, yeah, I was just really fortunate coming out of my undergrad. Um, so I did my undergraduate at Arizona state university in more of the sport medicine domain. Uh, and then immediately upon finishing my undergrad, got the job at the Celtics. So it's really started my journey in pro sports at a very young age, um, I think than, than maybe most, uh, but, but when I was with the Celtics kind of realized I didn't want to stay on the medical side, uh, learned that pretty quickly actually with, with my time there. So, so did my master's while I was with them in more of the strength and conditioning sports performance realm. And, and that's sort of how I wound up on that side of the table, um, with the Toronto Raptors because my role with the, the Celtics sort of, uh, during my time there became the bridge between the medical and the strength and conditioning, uh, staffs 
and and then sort of fell more in love with that aspect of things, but still having the understanding of the medical side, which which definitely I felt lend itself well. And finishing up my PhD right now down at UTS uh, in Sydney with uh, under Aaron Coots. So, so oh, kind of nice. adding adding all facets to it. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been quite a journey. It's been fun. It's been what frustrating, a frustrating but fun. Yeah, what a team they're developing at, at UTS with Franco yes, and for sure and uh, yeah and Blake and all the rest of the guys. So yeah, yeah. fantastic. Yeah, no, it's, it's it's great. I, I love getting down there. And again, I'm, I'm fortunate that you know those those uh, professionals are are also friends. You know, good friends in some cases. So it's it's been a really nice um, experience. Nice, mate. And you're kind of going so, through it. So. so how old were you when you were head of S and C at the Raptors? I was 26 when I took the head uh, strength and conditioning job there, which at the time was the youngest head strength coach in the NBA uh, yeah, in history okay. of the NBA. Um, Mike, oh, Herb, Mike Herb beat me to – he took that title from me a couple of years later uh, with the Bobcats. But, but yes, at the time, I was the youngest ever at uh, 26. Okay. So was was definitely maybe a little over my skis for yep. the first little bit, just in terms of more of the um, just interaction with people uh, – than, than, than maybe the nuts and bolts of training. But, but even that, you know, the nuances of, of different things, you know, was good. It was a really good learning experience for me. Mm-hmm. So what year would that have been then? So uh, I started with them in 2005. Okay. Interesting. So that's a nice little segue into what we were going to chat to, uh, our sure. first part we were going to chat about. And that was the sports science side of things. I'm guessing, I'm guessing sports science wasn't on, was that playing a big part? Was that discussed? Was it very SNC heavy in terms of your involvement? It, it was, um, it, and it's interesting. In the, and I say this not to you know maybe beat my chest a little bit, but I think we were at the forefront of doing some things that now they're just commonplace. But yeah, two thousand five, two thousand six, like I mean, some of the technologies that teams are using now they weren't even you know um, available. Um, but but we were doing real-time heart rate monitoring of every practice. Uh, and we would do, I was also using it you know, illegally in games um, with our starting five. I would, I would sort of pick a handful of games and, and sort of spot check what it looked like. One to help, help me understand what I was trying to do from a training standpoint, but also understand our practices and how do they mimic the game demands that these athletes are facing. And we were doing sleep monitoring back then. So, so I think it, we were doing some things that that now are, are quite commonplace in in professional sports and, and with athletes at the time that that you know was 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 then pretty novel and 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 really I think helped me have conversations with my athletes, coaches, and general managers that you know maybe was pushing the boundaries a little bit, uh, which which didn't always go well, but but it definitely helped me um, craft maybe some of my messages. Mm-hmm. Would you do anything differently in retrospect if you were in the job now with the with the, <laughs> with the resources that you would have available now, whether might have the Raptors or any other NBA team? Is there anything you'd do differently? Um, I think it would be more, it would be maybe be less of a practical application of something or, or a, t- a tool that I might utilize. It really would be more of the personal side of things. And because I think I really struggled young, again, 26 years old, right? I, I think I know everything um, and, and I knew very little in, in hindsight. Um, but I think that would be the biggest thing that I would take back with me if you know, if you sort of drop me in that situation now uh, with, with maybe my current understanding of things. Because I think it often led to some 
some maybe conversations and arguments that didn't have to happen. And, and, you know, it wasn't until maybe the last little bit, five, six years, maybe I'd even say where I've, I've been able to sort of take a step back and look at my experiences and, and maybe look at them through a different lens and, and sort of see that maybe some of those arguments and discussions and butting heads with, with general managers and coaches and, and even athletes was my fault. Or, or, or I should have taken a greater responsibility in that than, than I did at the time where I would just be like, oh, this guy doesn't understand anything. And, and at the end of the day, it's not my general manager's job to understand the nuances of a strength and conditioning coach and, and what I'm trying to do programmatically or, or, or philosophically. He has other things to worry about. It's really my job to try and better understand what information he does need to help him do his job and, and, and how to craft that message to get him on board with what I'm trying to do. Um, and, and that's definitely not a mindset I had at the time. And, and I think led to, to probably a lot more arguments and, and confrontations than needed to be had. So were you trying, were, were you trying to, were you seeing him as a, like talking to him as a sports scientist and SNC coach and then getting frustrated exactly. because they understand? Okay. Yeah. Exactly. And just trying to talk about things that, that maybe again, from, from our, I say our, the, the professional, um, the performance professional standpoint seems, you know, like a no brainer. Like you, it's like, of course, like, why would you, like, why do I even have to explain myself to you? Um, and, but it's not from his standpoint and, and, and just the same as, you know, maybe I don't know all the nuances of the collective bargaining agreement and making trades and, and contracts. Like, you know, I would hope that he wouldn't understand, or he wouldn't think that I would understand that you know, as, 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 uh, easily as he does. So, so yeah, I think I, I would often try and talk to him and have a conversation as a strength and conditioning professional, as a sports scientist, talk about data, talk about things where, you know, again, in hindsight, looking back, I just like, why would I do that? Why would I expect him to have that understanding or to just understand where it is I'm trying to come from, but also like the vision I have going forward, like, what am I trying to take it to if I'm not explaining it to him properly? Yeah. Would anything change in terms of your conversations or your communication, whether that's general communication or communication of the vision, like you say, or communication of any data you're collecting with the athletes? Would you do anything differently there? Um, you know, one thing I always have, have you know, been proud of in, in my approach is, is the way that I have worked with athletes. I've certainly, they have not all gone on smoothly, um, but I've always been able to have that a pretty good rapport with athletes and get them to, to buy into what it is that I'm trying to do because I've always done, I've always gone above and beyond explaining why we're doing what we're doing. And I think that for a professional athlete, for any athlete, really, you know, whether it's the general population, once they understand maybe why you're asking them to do something that they really don't want to do, you know, in, in, in most often uh, times they buy in a little bit better. And, and they're able to understand. And I think that's where looking back, I didn't do that with our head coach. I didn't do that with our, with, with, with those, with the other staffs, the other staff members, I'm sorry. Um, but I did do it. I did take the time to lay out with my athletes. Hey, here's why we're going to do this because here's why in four weeks, what we're going to try and do. And I would, I would take them on that journey with me. And, and so that they could see that one, that there was a plan. So, okay, he's not just shooting from the hip every day, which is unfortunate because that, that is what happens a lot of times in professional sports. Um, and then again, teams in another profession like, oh, you know, Rob's a bad guy. Like he's just going to argue with you. Oh, no, 
maybe Rob just doesn't have confidence in you, or maybe it's you and your communication skills with Rob that, that, that is leading him to act that way. Cause I would probably act the same. Um, and that's why I, I think, you know, it frustrates me now looking back on it, that I didn't recognize those two different strategies that I had, whereas I was too headstrong and, you know, maybe my ego got in the way with, with the management and coaches, but yet with the players, I really sort of, you know, I went, I went out of my way to make sure that they were comfortable and, and I spoke to them in a way they could understand and, 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 and buy into me a little bit more so. This is a bit of a sweeping statement, but I would, I would suspect that that's probably a common trait of people of probably. coming up, coming up through the ranks that it's the, maybe the older coaches are, they just don't get it. It's so frustrating. They don't do this, don't do that. But then the athletes who are maybe on a similar age, they're probably with a similar age to you, maybe a lot more, a lot easier to relate to you and, and uh, uh, them to you and you to them. And then them communication lines a bit more open and a bit more, sim- not sympathy, but empathy yeah. from for both ways yeah sure and it's interesting too with, with especially well with celtics for sure but but then in celtics i was in more of, of an assistant role so so i was sort of taking my lead but but you know players a good deal of the players were older than me but i was more of like assistant you know kind of you know if you think i look young now like geez like you know back then <laughs> so uh but then when i was the head strength coach with the with, with the raptors you know i had players who were older than me like several years older than me. And I'm trying to get them to buy in and listen to me and follow. So it, it just lended me to to have to adapt my communication skills. And, and that's, I guess, again, sort of missing that boat. But, you know, one of the things with the athletes, like to, to your point you just made is I've always taken the mindset of I want my athletes to be better educated and, and better consumers of, of information having worked with me because – you know, I'm fortunate to have worked with a couple athletes for for a long period of time, but that is not the norm in professional sports. And and knowing that, I want you know whether my athlete was with me for a week, you know, hell, if it's a day, a week, a month, or or a season, when they leave me, I want them to go be better consumers of information of performance professionals out there. So because again, their body is there, that's their vehicle for for income, is not to just blindly follow someone's instructions, just ask better questions. Um, and, and then be, be more of a, a participant in the process as opposed to just sort of a passenger, you know, if you will. Mm-hmm. So how's that changed? I mean, I guess it's not s- s- massively different in terms of going from the Raptors where you've got a general manager and owner that you need to communicate. And like you say, you've reflected on that. Maybe you could have done a better job. But when going to Nike or Nike, depending where you live, <laughs> as we've discussed, um, there's obviously there's a hierarchy and it's a big institution it's a it's a big organization and you've got similar people in similar positions where you have to communicate up and down the chain sure, have sure. you have you found that but but then again it's i know the the raptors and and any professional team is a or organization is a, is a business but nike is a business a real, seems, business, yeah, a, real a real business yeah so have you found that an interesting transition. I'm guessing you have because you've been there for nine years and, and sounding like you've you've enjoyed it. But have you found that easier or more difficult to do that that communication up and down the chain? Uh, I think a little bit of both. I, fa- okay. I found it easier in some senses, and maybe that's just maturity, right? Yeah. Um, but but also easier in the sense that I think some people within within Nike, well, actually, a lot most people in Nike they've never worked in professional sports. It, most of them never even interact with a professional athlete. So 
they don't always come at it from the same, you know, maybe standpoint that a coach, a general manager who they think they know everything. So, so you can have a, I guess a little bit, um, easier discussion, if you will. And and, and they're, they're more willing to, to know what they don't know, but this doesn't always happen. And I think that's maybe early on at Nike, I was a little frustrated. Um, because again, when, if you're dealing with the marketing group or whoever it may be, and, um, you know, they just, in sometimes knowing what they don't know is also it's it's not always a good thing sometimes it's a bad thing because they think they you know oh well this guy has so many instagram followers he must be great no (laughs) no and and, and, you know we're early on at nike i was very blunt and again i tend to maybe be that way generally i'm I'm from boston so a bit of an (laughs) asshole um but (laughs) tend to tend to have that uh but but I've learned to soften it a little bit at, you know, not necessarily change the message, just change how I deliver the message. Um, because again, that, that is the one difference is, is in a professional sport environment, you know, not everything's always PC and, and you can kind of say things and, and, and then, and then it's over with, and then you can come back the next day. Corporate America is a little bit different. So, yeah. so you have to sort of change that message. And I've been a little bit more aware of that, um, and just sort of how I deliver messages and, and how I communicate with people. But also, you know, it's, a, it's, it's really been great for me to take a step back from the day-to-day grind of a team because, you know, when you're in that, sometimes, you, you know, you can't, you don't have time to lift your head up. You know, being now nine years at Nike, I honestly think I'm a better coach and, and performance professional now because I'm able to sort of, you know, yes, get my hands dirty when I have athletes here uh, for, for their off season or, or for, for an extended period of time, but then they go away to their respective teams. And then I can sort of, I can go investigate whatever it is that I want to, whether it's a certain topic, whether it's a certain technology, anything, I have the, the leeway to do that. So it's, it's really been fantastic to allow me to, to kind of just expand my abilities as a coach. Mm-hmm. Feel free to veto this, and I don't want to make <laughs> that's not a good start, is it, to a question. <laughs> but does does the obviously you're coming from a, a like a big organization like Nike in terms of the and you mentioned technology there, and this is completely off topic, but mm-hmm. I thought it'd be interesting to know. Do you have any constraints in terms of the technology or the equipment or the help? I guess technological help that you can get do you have any limitations because you are affiliated to nike or not no not not usually okay. i yep. mean not unless there's a, a direct conflict of something of um you know in some cases you know if i were to call somebody up and say hey keith Demilio with the toronto raptors or, or whatever the, the pressure team you know, it opens a lot of doors nike opens a lot of doors too. so it's you know um so so usually unless there's some sort of conflict or, or there's an issue that that not only you know c- can i talk to and interact with a lot of external companies it's actually i would say it works in it it hurts me more than it it helps okay well, no uh, and maybe that's not the way i want to word it what i i guess the better way to word it is sometimes i have to temper companies expectations oh i can imagine yeah 100 yeah yeah, yeah. It, okay it, it's like hey guys i'm trying to do this and you know you have maybe some smaller companies that are like thinking oh man nike's gonna purchase like no 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 no, no. this We're is not, that's not what's gonna happen yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so just really sort of dealing with that more than anything um but yeah it's, it's good and, and nike has some really smart people that work in it and again i'm fortunate to work in the the research lab that has some pretty interesting uh characters and professionals that that you know a lot of the resources i might need and lean on like 
they're they're readily available for me, which is which has been great. That's great. Well maneuvered. Sorry, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in this current position that we're in now, with what four or five days of both of us been confined to the house, and for, for no doubt for a couple more weeks um, to go as well. The, the t- attention for coaches turned to remote coaching. Is that something that you do in your day-to-day? Is that something that you're quite au fait with? Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's been interesting the last few days. Like you said, it, I mean, again, this morning at 6 o'clock, you know, I had uh, three of my athletes up on the screen, and we were doing, you know, a, a, a group. One of them was in New York, and two of them were here in Portland, and, and I'm in my this room right here. Uh, you know, that is a little bit new. Uh, I mean, that we don't, we haven't done in the past, but remote coaching I have done extensively over the last handful of years, because like I said earlier, you know, my athletes will be with me for, for a good deal of time, but then they go back to their respective teams and in locations around the country. So, so I'm always doing some level of remote coaching. Um, it's just now it's, it's video face-to-face, like we're doing the workouts, you know, I'm seeing them do the workouts or maybe, you know, during the NFL season, I'm not seeing them, but, but we're talking every day and we're adjusting things as, as needed. So. Mm-hmm. So with, with that experience, and that's probably a hell of a lot more experience than the majority of coaches <laughs> out there, especially, especially those who maybe aren't within the, I guess, I guess the American system may be slightly different because they get, maybe the, the longer off seasons and like sure. a professional football, like soccer team over here when you see them every day anyway. Yeah, um, sure. So any, any recommendations or any le- interesting learnings that you've gone through to navigate the remote coaching world that may be useful to people? Nah, it, it really comes down to your relationships with, with athletes and, it, you know, because you can't be, you know, big brother watching them at everything or, you know, collecting, you know, and, 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 you know, maybe, maybe we could talk about this too, in terms of even just remote data, data capture Yeah, absolutely. Um, is, is, you know, unless they're bought in to, to what I was saying earlier, unless they really understand what, why they need to be doing what they're doing and they're empowered to want to do it, you know, it doesn't matter if you have the best video connection and the best setup, like it, it's, it's going to fall short. Um, because if you have to hand, if you have to drag them along the way, like, that's just not a recipe for success. I also, again, as just as I think through the remote coaching, when I was with the Raptors, like that's really, I think my, my first for, foray into uh, uh, remote coaching because no player lived in Toronto in the off season. No. <laughs> so, so I was constantly on a plane, you know, whether it was every two weeks in Dallas with, with, you know, Chris Bosch or, you know, for, for weeks every summer out in Italy with Andrea, uh, you know, and, and, and our Spanish players, because we had more international players, at least at the tail end of my, my time at Toronto than any team, you know, in, in, in the NBA. So I was constantly on a plane. And, and again, sort of having that remote connection with athletes and, and, and also, you know, working with the people who work with them. Because again, a lot of that is, which is, is interesting too, because now that's, that's me. Um, and, and having, and having that time. And again, I'm, I'm literally off the top of my head, like realizing these things as now, a, a, you know, a stream of consciousness, but it's, 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 um, it's interesting. And I think if you have that relationship with your athletes and you're able to, to have a truly honest conversation with them, you know, while you, you know, they're in, locked in their house and you're locked in yours, you, you can try and hopefully maximize what will happen from a performance standpoint the positivities at least. 
So we're just going to take a very quick break in the chat with Keith. Hope you're enjoying part one. So over in part two, we discuss uh, coaching other coaches athletes. So a really, really interesting, unique perspective that Keith has within his role that he has athletes coming from different organizations to train with him and Nike. So that can obviously cause potentially, it could potentially cause issues if Keith wasn't able to facilitate that in the correct way. So a really interesting chat there. And we discuss more on remote coaching. Obviously it's a big topic uh, at this moment in time. So that comes up again. So a really interesting part two coming up with Keith. This episode of the Pacey Performance Podcast is sponsored by AthleteMonitoring.com, the world's most comprehensive, versatile, and cost-effective athlete health and performance management platform for elite sports. So AthleteMonitoring.com is trusted by top development programs, universities, professional teams, Olympic programs, national sports organizations, and research institutes worldwide. It streamlines data collection, centralizes the management of wellness, training and performance, medical and testing, and administrative data. It also simplifies the interpretation with best practice analytics and evidence-based methods to optimize performance and reduce injury risk. So with all these features on a single platform, AthleteMonitoring.com seamlessly brings key stakeholders together to build healthier athletes, more efficient organizations, and long-lasting successes. To see what AthleteMonitoring.com can do for you, visit AthleteMonitoring.com and schedule a free demo, or follow them on Twitter at AthleteMonitor. This episode is also sponsored by Omega Wave, which is the only non-invasive, at-rest technology on the market that analyzes readiness to train via both brain and cardiac analysis. So using DC potential and HRV to understand your brain's energy level and autonomic nervous system balance allows you to use objective data on recovery and readiness that in turn helps you to truly individualize your training and thus optimize performance. Omega Wave also measures ECG from the V6 position, and this data can be used by the medical profession to check cardiac health on a frequent basis. The measurement only takes four minutes to perform and results are visualized in an intuitive way thanks to our Windows of Trainability concept. Omega Wave is used by hundreds of elite sport athletes, military and law enforcement agencies. They're also an official partner of the UFC Performance Institute. So to learn more about Omega Wave, visit their website, omegawave.com, or visit their social media channels. So when it comes to that monitoring that you mentioned at the start, was there any particular methods that you found that you maybe started and couldn't continue for various different reasons because either buying wasn't there or logistically it just didn't work that people may be trying now and can maybe fast track given your experience of, of this world? Keep it simple, <laughs> which is, which is the same probably advice as, is it even if you're in person with the athlete, yeah, but, yeah. but remotely is even more so. And, and I've been fortunate enough, certainly, you know, with my time at Nike and, and back to our point with, you know, technologies abound at my resource is, is to have tried it most of it all you know, remotely. And, and that's whether it's daily, you know, you know, several years back, you know, Omega wave capturing every day and sleep monitoring every day and, and looking at all of these different data streams. But that's the last thing my athlete wants to do is certainly they will do it if they buy in, right? They'll, they'll do it if they understand why they're doing it, they buy in. But the last thing you want to do is put up a barrier, you know, in some sort of the thing doesn't work. 
and they'll throw it out the window, right? Like, so, so <laughs> yeah. anything logistically you can do to, to limit that frustration. And now it's super simple. Again, and I say, you know, I've used a lot of it. I, I, I've used a lot of it and I have, you know, in, in a talk I've done over the years, you know, I show one of my athletes and I have pretty much every night sleep data for three years. And, <laughs> and while it's interesting and it's fun to talk about and show this enormous amount of, of, of data, on my athlete, like, yeah, at the end of three years, like my athlete came to me and he was like, and, and he's the best athlete I've ever worked with. He's just a, uh, an absolute professional. We'll ask a lot of questions. And as long as he understands, like you have a plan, you're not just you know, willy nilly throwing things at the wall, like we'll do it. And you never have to ask him to do it again. But he came to me and he's like, well, why are we doing this? Like, what are we actually doing with all this data? And, and, and he was, like I said, a professional. So he's going to bed at the same time, waking up at the same time, pretty much every day for three years. <laughs> yeah. and, and he was right. He was 100% right. Like, I wasn't doing anything with it, really, unless there was something that happened that was so out of the ordinary. I could go back and look at it. But on a day-to-day basis, I wasn't looking at it at all. It, like, yeah, like, go, like, let's get rid of it and let's let's strip down to, to the essentials of what we need. And, and I have my athletes fill out a questionnaire just so I have a, some understanding of, of how the day has gone or, or, or what to expect for that day. And that's when they're with me and even when they're away. Um, and then just simple, simple um, metrics. It, you know, the, the less complicated you can make things, the more success you will have, in, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Yeah. So is there anything not, I mean, this, this horse has, has bolted at this point in time? in terms of actually planning for this period of being away from athletes and what people may be able to do again, not in this situation, but in the future that um, they could do on the front end to make this period a little bit easier in terms of maybe like performance assessment. So things can be scheduled a little bit, a little bit better. Um, is there anything on that front that you would encourage again, this not the best time to be discussing this. But, yeah, sure. Of course. Yeah, I, I think future. even too, like my, my long-term, um, plan with my athletes. And what I always try and do after a, a, a season is sit back and assess. And I do it after each off season as well. Like, Hey, what worked, what didn't, what, you know, what, what could we change? And I get my athlete involved in that and like, Hey, what did you, what did you like? What did you think worked? Where did you feel, you know, and, and really sort of break down everything we did. And then I, I sort of map out my end state, what I want to get to, and then break it down, you know, from there. I think having it, and, and, and that's not to say I then stick to that plan because things happen and I have to adjust and, but at least I have a roadmap and, and that allows me to actually, I think, be more flexible than, than if I didn't have a roadmap because I at least know the end where I want to get to. And Hey, I maybe have to take a left turn instead of a right. And I have to do these things, which right now we are definitely taking a detour in, in our plan, but I'm able to sort of toward, um, do some different things in, in what I did on the front end, kind of thinking ahead too is I made sure some of my athletes had some uh, equipment at their house and, and, and we sort of preempted some of this early on so that they can do everything we're doing right now. It's not ideal. It's not what I had down maybe, you know, purposely to do. Actually, this week is this week. It's actually planned perfectly that they can do everything and we're just doing some super, super simple stuff because it's a transition into, into our next phase. But next week I'm going to have to get a little creative. There's actually just a, a decent article on ESPN um, well, just talking about some, what some of the NBA teams are trying to do right now in this break and how some of the teams are, you know, uh, you know, 
bringing equipment to their to the athletes houses and, and trying to set up their athletes to to maximize this time uh from a training standpoint it's pretty interesting how creative some of the teams are being yeah it's, it's interesting because i've just been fielding a few calls from guys that i know looking for kit <laughs> and obviously especially over here there's, there's a couple of bigger suppliers who have just like well nothing's left like <laughs> you should have got in touch with us two weeks ago yeah, but it's, yeah, yeah we're, we're kind of a, a week well it's probably two weeks in from players been away from training grounds and things now the players are trying to figure out like what do we do how do we get ready for, for when we actually get back it's, it's chaos yeah it's actually been an interesting conversation with a couple of my athletes um who we've talked about really building a, a proper home gym mm. for, for quite some time and you know for one reason or another we don't and, and you know really we haven't needed it but now they're like okay let's get this plan in place let's get it really <laughs> so it's really accelerated <laughs> yeah. coming out of this they want to do it and then not have to run into this issue uh again yeah if, if one per if, that, if if go mate sorry no i was gonna say not that hopefully something like this won't happen uh in the relatively near future I hate but you. Yeah, I hate yeah. <clears throat> excuse me i hear you no no it's one thing one group of people i'm hoping that will come good out of this will be the the companies that are supplying this kit to the to the, to the guys um and like you say people just are a bit more prepared not not something like this is going to happen again hopefully touch wood but just more prepared generally for the unforeseen and they have everything they need at home accessible whether it be even just be like bands and just simple stuff that they would always rely on the club to sort for them maybe supplements sure. or whatever it may be i think everyone no not just not just athletes are actually going maybe i should have just basics at home and <laughs> it just becomes really simple life just becomes really simple doesn't it yeah, yeah. and you, yeah you're trying to plan for, for having the work having the, having the things at home but one thing that I'd written down was you've gone from the Celtics and the Raptors and then dealing with the coaches that the athletes use in the off season and have been the other coach. Mm. Now you are the other coach. How, how is, how has that transition been? How are you managing that based on the fact that you have been on the other side of it? Uh, I think being on the other side of it has been instrumental in, in, in trying to approach it in what I feel is the right way. Um, in, in, in that, and I say the right way um, of, of just like, hey, it's a, it's a team approach. And, and it truly, if, if we're all going to sit here and say like, we want what's best for the athlete, then it has to be a team approach. You know, I have to sometimes put, put things aside. And even if maybe I don't agree with what they're doing at the team or whatever the case may be, like, okay, well, what's best for the athlete? And, and trying to be as open as possible with the team and, and share everything I do with the team. You know, the teams know that, if their athlete is with me, like I'm an open book and I will send them every piece of data, every single thing we're doing and, and have discussions. And, and I try and preemptively do that as well. Cause what will happen too sometimes here, uh, even in my role, well, with my role at Nike is, is athletes will come in from, you know, uh, whether it be an AFL club and, and they'll spend uh, a week, maybe a little bit longer with me in their preseason. And the first thing I do when I, when I hear that that is happening is reach out to the club and, and have a conversation preemptively to be like, okay, what should I know about them? What are your goals? And, and, and not to say that I do it like, you know, almost out of, out of checking a box to have that conversation. Um, 
Because sometimes maybe, you know, maybe, maybe uh, it's not as important what they're going to tell me, but I still want them to feel part of the process and they should be part of the process anyway. So it's having that understanding because, you know, from, from my time in the team, because I also know, I know they have to answer to that coach or to that general manager or to whoever it is. Um, and, and if they don't have or feel like they have the right information to answer those questions, it, it makes them look bad. And, and, and. I don't want them to look bad. This has nothing to do with them. So it's, it's, it's really trying to actually give them more information than they need or more ammunition to go to their, their superiors so that they look as good as they can. Um, and, and I don't care about credit. I could care less. So I, I, if they get all the credit, great, fantastic. Um, it, it doesn't matter to me. So it's really sort of having that mindset of, of trying to be um, inclusive. And, and also it's, it's interesting which I do think helps me in some cases because uh, it doesn't always go as smooth as maybe I'm making it sound with some teams because some, some staffs, you know, they, they, they're, whether they're angry, I'm involved or whether they're, you know, they, they just don't care. So, so they don't, you know, care to have any of this, the information that I'm providing or, or want to be involved and that's fine. Um, but as I can also play bad cop, right. Sometimes for, for whether it be the head strength coach and, and maybe you have their star athlete that he was working with me, they don't, they sometimes are not, they don't feel like they're in a position to maybe, you know, sort of have a go at this athlete for, for not doing what they want to. Okay. And, and I make it very clear early on, Hey, if this athlete is not doing what you need them to do, or if they're making your job difficult, just tell me like, if it's reasonable, like I have no problem telling my athlete, like, Hey, just shut up and do what Rob's asking you to do. Like you're making his job difficult and it doesn't need to be because if you as the star athlete or, or one of the leaders on the team, if you're not listening to them, then the other, you know, group of guys underneath you, they're going to feel like they can't. And then that makes his job really difficult in, in trying to sort of let them know like, Hey man, I'm here for you to help. Um, and it, you know, so far it's worked well, I think, but, but had I not had that experience in the, you know, in the team environment and understand all of the things that come their way, when they're sitting in that chair, like I might not have that perspective. And I think that's, you know, having dealt with some of the, the private coaches, you know, when I was with the team and, and they have no understanding of how the day-to-day -day operations of a team or what the team personnel has to think about and deal with, you know, uh, you know, it, it wouldn't lead me to have that, that sort of thought process I have now. Mm -hmm. I understand. So this is probably something I should have asked right at the start, but why would a, obviously a Nike athlete and tech AFL, for instance, why would an AFL athlete just because he's Nike come and work in Portland? What, what is the, is the let's, yeah. let's not underestimate the holiday experience of coming and going. Okay. Uh, yeah, okay. I mean, let's, let's not overestimate like, it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, um, you know, there is that component to it, but, but also I think, you know, um, I think it started, how many years ago was this? Um, Darren Burgess, who I, uh, I know you've had on, who yeah, was, yeah. was a friend. Uh, Darren asked me, hey, could I bring over a handful of guys when he was at port? And he came over with, might have been 10 guys. Um, and we did like a week-long sort of training camp uh, up in Portland. And I think it was, it's ever, it's ever since that off season or that, I guess, our fall, you know, your sort of spring or their spring, um, every year there's, there's a, a small group you know, this year there was, you know, uh, Christian, Christian Salem and Christian Petraka, um, who coincidentally now Burgess is their performance director on, on their new club okay. or on his new club. Yeah. Um, 
but but there'll be you know whether it's four whether it's two AFL guys will come over and and that happens in other sports too like there'll be you know in years past uh, some surfers will come over and do some different things um, and it happens in all, all different reasons sometimes it's just my network of professionals you know and, and buddies that I know that they're, hey can can I send a couple of my athletes out to work with you for a week yeah sure. Um, or, or it's maybe a handful of athletes who are doing a special project with a Nike group and they maybe get wind of, of oh, wow, I can do that at Nike. Because while I say I've been here nine years, Nike still doesn't, you know, there's a lot of people at Nike like, I had no idea that's what, you know, you work with athletes or that, that you know, we did that uh, at, at Nike. Because it's not like I have some, you know, massive roster of athletes that I work with. It's, it's still a relatively small group, uh, an even smaller group when you talk about the group that I oversee kind of everything hands super super hands-on with um so it's it's still a work in progress but but yeah like it, it just happened out of relationships really like my again my, my my relationship with darren led those afl guys to come over and it's just sort of snowballed every year yeah nice so who are the guys not obviously not names but in terms of their affiliations with clubs that you oversee more closely on a day-to-day basis yeah um some international basketball players uh okay you know not so much and nba is more sort of you know sort of um pop in and out less like oversee um nfl i would say is the predominant sport where i where i oversee a lot and that's that's probably because one uh, athlete in particular who i've worked with you know for 10 seasons now um and, and he just has a large gravitational pull um sort of so athletes want to come work with him and, and, and sort of he's taken on this a little bit of a mentor role. So, so athletes uh, come from that perspective, but it's, it's interesting there because even within that group of my NFL athletes, there's, there's a spectrum because you have some of the younger guys who they don't have the, the clout at their team to go in and it's just, no, no, no I'm going to do my own thing. Like, you know, and I tell them like, you're not doing your own thing. You're going to listen to and do whatever they tell you to do. Cause you have to, that's just where you are in, in your career. Um, but we can also work within that. And if maybe they're going to do some things philosophically that maybe I don't believe in, or, or maybe that isn't the best for you, um, then let's come up with the best strategy for you and for them. And whether that's like, hey, like, hey, coach, like maybe that exercise, like, I don't, you know, even giving my athletes the, the ammunition of knowledge of like, why you have to explain to them why you don't want to do that exercise right like and here's why here's here's what you're going to say and then maybe give them five choices that hey what if i did these five things instead could maybe one of these work for you and then now the coach feels empowered like oh yeah like cool we'll do this exercise instead and then we all win right um but you have your younger athletes like that and then you have some of the you know again like this one athlete in particular or some of my veteran athletes who they have the clout to kind of do whatever they want or within reason right like they can kind of control that what what happens but it's just doing it the right way so that you know we're not we're not trying to make anyone look bad we're not trying to to say anything as a result of them doing that but but trying to do it the right way so it's interesting even within my that that group the the differences the different approaches with the teams that we have to take mm-hmm. that's an interesting if it's an interesting role seeing just the the variety and the variation of, of what people do, how people program, the, the the kind of streams that they work in. Yeah, but that's really that's really interesting. But from your government. Oh, I was gonna say, which which is also interesting and, and I would say um, to maybe it, it goes in line with with some of the things we talked about earlier is as looking back on myself as a younger coach right now with 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 this new or with this with a different perspective is is I used to get so caught up in the exercises. 
Right. And I, and I might say to your point, like I can see all these different programs from all these different coaches and, and like, that exercise is shit. Like, and and then just, you know, completely, you know, cast it away. Whereas it, whereas now maybe I look at it from a perspective of like, regardless of exercise, whether I agree with it, disagree with it, think it's shit, like think it's great. Like, can I just simply understand what are you trying to accomplish? Like, what is the goal of that? There should be some level of, of a theme of, of even that session itself. And, and can I take a step back and understand it? And if I can't understand, like, even what you're trying to do, like, then that maybe makes me think a little bit deeper. But like, if I could just see like, oh, regardless of what they're doing exercise, like, what, regardless, like, I understand what he's trying to do. Great. Like, I, now we can have a conversation and now we can, you know, rather than, you know, I, where I used to get really hung up in the weeds and, and different things like now sort of having that. Um, so it's interesting, like to your point of, of seeing all of the different strategies and, and things that teams do because they're on a spectrum for sure. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> so how, how, how hard has it been or how easy has it been moving from a, a sport like basketball when you're working with basketball players and basketball players only? to working with, like you say, AFL guys, NFL guys, NBA guys, working on different athletes, different shapes, different sizes, different demands. Is it really that different? No. Like it, no. <laughs> no. it, it, no. it really isn't. And, and, yeah, and you know, there's obviously nuances uh, to each sport. And like I said, surfers, you know, and, and again, having worked now over these last nine years of – you know, from tennis, golf, and, and again, I'm an avid golfer. So maybe I understand and, and like that world a little bit over golf and, 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 you know, um, surfing and AFL, NFL, like there's some subtle nuances. Absolutely. And, and demands that their sport, uh, has that, that you have to be aware of, but they're really not that different. And, and now actually even a step further of doing a lot more in esports. Um, over the last you know, number of months, it's it's really been super interesting. And at first, I really wasn't um, excited, I guess I'd say, about it. I was like, oh, okay, great, we'll see. But the more I've spent time with with the teams, learned about it, and the athletes, it's fascinating. Um, and and maybe training, you know, physical training for those guys is is more about like just general health and well being. Yeah. But then you have the training of of like sort of the mind and processing of information and things like that, that I can sort of go down that path. And, and I've started to go down that path a little heavy right now um, because I find it fascinating, absolutely fascinating. And I think that there's some, some really cool things you can do in that space that will probably, you know, transfer over to some of the field and court sport athletes that I work with, you know, some of the learnings in, in the esport environment will, will help those field and core sport athletes from, from an information processing standpoint, um, and, and some of the things they're trying to do in that world. But, but the cool thing about esports too, is the bar is so low because it is such a new sport, but I say it's a new sport and you ask the differences between sports, it's still the same. And I had a conversation with, with a, with a team, a very successful team and a very successful head coach of that team. And I can, you know, in esports, it's great because I can ask the most, you know, novice questions and, and I'm, I'm looked at as an outsider. So, so they, I don't offend anyone really. Right. And I can ask, and I can ask the same question eight different times until I get to the answer that I really want to get at. And, and nobody gets really upset with me. Um, you know, if I were to do that in basketball or somewhere else, I like, yeah. get upset with me very quickly. Yeah. But but I started asking and poking these questions to try and understand why they are, they are sort of 
doing the same things all the time. And, and I got, and I got an answer that you would expect from, you know, all of your traditional sports of, well, that's just the way we've always done it. I'm like, well, okay, maybe for like, you know, cricket and these sports that have been around for hundreds of years, like, but you haven't been around that long. So, <laughs> so you just, you just have the same mindset at, at regardless of sport, you have the same sort of issues. It's just slightly different environments and, and maybe slightly different demands that you have to be aware of, but how you approach it and deal with it is, is pretty similar regardless of sport. Mm-hmm. I think those of us in traditional sports probably don't really understand how big esports is. But could that, that's going to change. Like there's, there's no doubt about that because it's grown and grown. But in terms of your role, do you think that could really boom in terms of your involvement in esports and how much? I hope so. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I honestly, I, I say I hope so because I, I just have found it recently fascinating. And, and I think there's so, the sport and their approach to how they support their athletes is so new to them. And, and, and just the simplest things I think will have a huge impact on, on their athletes that like, that's what excites me is like, wow, like we can do some basic things and have a massive improvement uh, or, or have a massive um, impact in their athletes, just general health too, but also performance uh, because, you know, even just simple things of, of how they structure their day and practice, because, you know, in spite of the, this one coach saying, well, that's the way we've always done it. They are actually pretty open to some things. So it, it's really like this perfect area right now of like you could do some innovative things on the performance side you can do some just craft some things because they're not really beholden to anything like you know you can't change too much maybe or or you have to take it in in a in a stepwise approach like you would anywhere really but but i think you can make some some huge impacts and inroads in that sport right now so i'm i'm hoping that it does actually um you know boom in terms of 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 how i work with some of those teams and athletes and and grows so did Nike have did Nike have esports athletes like affiliated? They, to them? they do sponsor a few teams. Uh, they actually sponsor the whole um, league in China, the League of oh, Legends, wow. uh, like that right. that game in particular. Um, and, and look at me for a second. I'm going to talk like I actually know what I'm talking about in in esports. <laughs> but but they do sponsor a handful of teams and and a few uh, high profile athletes in, in that uh, area. Yeah. Amazing. Which is interesting because Nike's again, it's it's. Uh, it's not something that they've traditionally been involved. Well, I mean, it's not something anyone has, has been involved in for quite some time. So it's, uh, it, it's even as a company sort of Nike thinking about it a little bit differently, but it's fun. Mm-hmm. It's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I had uh, Taylor Johnson on who's a consultant in that space and he okay. was so, it's so interesting in just something that was completely new to me, probably completely new to 99% of those that are listening. I just, I just was so excited about the opportunity just the, the, the employment opportunity for coaches in this completely new area, like you say, can make big changes very, very quickly with an audience that are highly motivated for the rewards that are on offer, like mm-hmm. in, in, in that whole world. So I was super excited for people to get involved. And, yeah, and again, a lot of, like we even talked about earlier with like, oh, this athlete, like, you know, one of the things, you know, oh, they're going to be difficult to deal with that's what I sort of was told about esport athletes is like, Oh, like they're not going to want to do anything there. But the one they've, again, when I talk about things and I talk about, Hey, why this might be, they love it. They absolutely love it. And they're, they're like, yeah, for absolutely. Let's do it. Um, 
so it, it's it's been fun from there too because you have this like you know this audience at least of the athletes the, the coaches are the ones you have to really get on board and 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 get them to understand why maybe you're taking away an hour in front of a screen playing a game to do something else and, and how that might benefit them but but uh it's it's been fun it's been fun yeah awesome well i'm just gonna just gonna round up there i think that's a that's a good place to uh to, to finish if anyone wants to discuss anything that we've chatted about or anything about your role at night sure anything like that where's the best place for people to reach you are you a social media guy or not so much <laughs> not so much i do have an instagram at keith.emilio um but um not heavily active there i do it probably more to to monitor my athletes than anything uh and see what shenanigans they're up to but uh but yeah can always reach out to me there can can feel free to email me as well um you know keith.emilio at gmail and I'm happy to happy to talk to anyone out there it's uh it's always fun to talk to good professionals Absolutely. And like I said at the start, a little bit more time on your hands. So yes, there's, uh, there's always an opportunity for people to reach out and have a chat. But thank you very much for coming on. Really do appreciate it because although we do have a little bit of downtime, clearly you've still got plenty to get on with. So uh, yeah, I really appreciate you coming on and giving it your time. No, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Keith. Speak soon. Thanks, All right. Speak soon. Thanks, mate. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Pacey Performance Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the chat with Keith. Really interesting chat from my point of view to give a unique perspective on a job I didn't even know existed at Nike. So it's really interesting to get that insight into them kind of roles and how Keith navigates that role um, across all the things that we discussed in this episode. So big thanks to Keith for giving up his time. Really appreciate it. Also, really appreciate the support given by our sponsors today, which is Hawking Dynamics, I Measure You, Omega Wave, and athletemonitoring.com. So the podcast could not run its current form without these guys, so I really appreciate their constant support, especially through this, this time that we're going through now. So if you haven't pressed subscribe on your chosen podcast player, make sure you do now. But you can also listen to this and watch this episode over on YouTube. So make sure you press subscribe on the, on the uh, YouTube channel as well, which is Pacey Performance. So every episode from now will have a video associated with it. Not that it's great because you can look at my face for 45, 50 minutes, but you'll just have to look to the right where the guest is um, to, to, to shadow your eyes from that. But have a little look over there and you can, you can follow along on there on the video. So again, thanks for tuning in and I will chat to you next week.